Today is December thirteenth, Sunday, twenty twenty. I am sitting here in my car after a nice jog by the lakefront. Um, trying to embark on something I've never done before, which is going to be recording a series of, I guess, verbal diary recordings. About my life, where I've come from, where I am currently, and where I plan to go. Although that's quite a blur and not very clear to me at the moment. So, um, in particular, I'll center it around my struggle, more or less, with pornography addiction.、Um, Yeah, that's simple enough, I guess. But at the same time, I don't want to make it completely about that,、um, because I don't think it's necessarily healthy to define myself by my struggles.、Um, any of us by our struggles. I mean, our struggles are an integral part of our stories, and they—they're what make us human. But We're so much more than that, and I think I'm starting to realize、um, that in my own personal journey.、Um, uh, there's a golden retriever in the backyard next to where I'm parked, and he's he's kind of keeping me company right now. He's just running around,、um, so that's a nice thing to notice. So, anyways. Yeah, not defining myself by my struggle or my past, but at the same time, not letting go of that because our struggles and our past teach us valuable lessons. And so, I hope this podcast、um, will be able to provide some semblance of hope, maybe, to those who are in a similar position.、Um, and I hope it provides me hope at the same time, so I can look back on this and. Uh, see what I've discovered along the way, and have、uh, come to learn、um, in my own journey. I also realize I need some sort of outlet.、Uh, I don't really have anything that I can that I'm currently doing、uh, as a form of like self-expression or to really make my mark. I guess you could say. This is, I mean, this is something that's been on my mind. I think for the past day or so, is that we're creative beings. I happen to believe、uh, that we were created in the image of a creator.、Um, I come from a Christian background, so if that's a turnoff for you, I'm sorry. You can turn this. Off if it's a turn off, if it's not,、um, that's awesome.、Um, but yeah, from my perspective and my world view,、um, we were made in the image of a creator, the God of the Bible, and so it makes sense that we in turn 
create. Um, and I found that for most of my life, I never really expressed myself much in word or in like artistic pursuits or in other manners. Um, so that plays in part to why I'm starting this now, this podcast. Uh, I think it's healthy to have an outlet. Um, and as someone has said before, it's, uh, you know, dialectic therapy, I guess some call it. But just the manner of speaking what's on your mind can be curative to the soul and the psyche. So I'm trying to hit that nail on the head too. But yeah, so having some form of an outlet uh, plays a part in why I'm doing this podcast as well. And so if you're listening to this, I hope you already have some form of self-expression. And if not, uh, hopefully this can encourage you in that direction as well. So a little backstory um, to my life, as most of these things start out with. Um, I am 28 years old. I live in Ontario, Canada. I am a single child. Um, I am. I immigrated to Canada in 95, I believe, um, from Hong Kong. So, um, been living in a small town, well... Small town Ontario. It used to be a small town. It's not so small anymore. It's quite bustling now with lots of, lots of newer immigrants, um, and you really see a a meshing of the culture really, and everyone's kind of spilling over from, from Toronto, eastwards towards us. Um, so that's been quite a sight, to observe. They've been widening the highways or the like main roads and things throughout the years just because of the sheer number the sheer volume of of uh, traffic and people coming out from toronto so we're about a 40 minute drive from toronto um so yeah i'm it's a good balance between suburban and city life i'm close to quite a lot of trails um the lakefront that i was just at that's quite a blessing to have um, it's getting busier in like around this area, but it's not crushingly busy like like it is in Toronto. So yeah, I grew up a uh, single child in a pretty in a good home. Um, good home. My dad um, was a clergyman, worked in a parachurch organization, I guess you would call it. So he wouldn't preach often in in like the normal Sunday lineup but he was involved with an organization um, nonetheless um, a Christian organization that worked alongside the church Uh, my mom is a very um, faithful woman Um, a lot of what I've learned and a lot of what I what inspires me comes from seeing her and comes from um yeah just observing her life 
Um, and in part, she owes that to her mom, my grandma, um, who's in the States. Um, very, you know, faithful woman, praying woman, um, but then not overly religious. So not like, like bumper sticker Christianity religious, but just demonstrating her, her faith in her life and not, um, not cramming it down your throat or anything. So I don't come from a hyper, hyper fundamentalist religious background, I say, I would say. Grew up going to Sunday school, going to church, getting involved in church. Um, church was fine. I didn't have any trauma or anything from church. Um, there was no... You know, it wasn't like Westboro Baptist. It was it was tolerant and just your run-of-the-mill North American church, I would say. But of course, I never really brought my struggles and addiction um, into the fore. Just because it's scary, you know, being a, a teenager or, a, you know, a young person with something that's struggling with something that's shameful um and it is it is shameful i'm not i'm not going to be one to pretend that be one of those you know embrace and watch all the porn you can and you want because it can help your love life it's okay if you watch it with your spouse it's okay if you watch it with your significant other or your girlfriend because, hey, it might put you both in the mood and improve um, intimacy for both of you in the long run. So, hey, give it a go. Yeah, that's that. That you're free to debate that. That's just not in my in my purview. Um, so yeah, straight from the start, I I don't see porn as a good thing. I don't see it as a a, a blessing it's a twisted it's a twisted uh, it's a distortion of what is good you know sexual intimacy uh, between two committed partners um, married yeah I guess I'm traditional in that sense so if that turns you off that's okay with me too because from my own experience and I can only speak from my experience. It it really consumes you. Like this thing really consumes you and really tears apart your soul. And I've seen how it has consumed me. And I've seen how it's mangled my soul for worse, not for better. It's kind of like alcohol, I guess, in a sense that only alcoholics who have struggled with it really understand um, the dark spaces that being enslaved to, to something can bring you. And then you have people who are not alcoholics and they can um, have beer and wine f completely fine and they don't get pulled into those dark spaces. And that's fine for them. So that's, that's kind of how I see it.
Like porn is to alcohol. Porn is to. Porn is to sex. As alcoholism is to alcohol. Sex in itself is not bad. Alcohol in itself is not bad. Porn is a distortion and an exploitation of the act of sexual intimacy, just like alcoholism is an exploitation of alcohol. That makes sense, right? Like, it's fine to drink alcohol in the correct context, i.e. not being not getting yourself drunk and making a mess of yourself. It's fine to have sex in the right context, i.e. in the context of a monogamous marriage. It's kind of sad that I have to say monogamous, monogamous marriage now because I guess, well, no, polygamy's always been around, so no, it's not strange. But in the context of marriage, um, God created alcohol. God created sex. There's nothing wrong with them in and of themselves, but it's just the context that we place and use them in that that brings our demise, I guess. So, yeah, I guess it started back in maybe high school. Because I clearly remember thinking, oh, hey, uh, I won't be addicted by the time university rolls around. And university did roll around and I didn't get free of it then. But I clearly, clearly remember that. So it must have been a time before university. And it wasn't during elementary school. It wasn't during elementary school, I remember that. It was maybe grade 10 or grade 9 or grade 10 that I started noticing, hey, I can't really resist this stuff. But back then it was more of a, it wasn't really a, a hindrance to life as I saw it. And of course I wasn't going into like the hardcore stuff. Um, then an inconvenience um, at that stage. Then university rolls around and I'm off on my own and I have my own laptop and, you know, you're out of the parents, your parents' house and you're on your own. I had roommates, but still, you're not with your parents, so that gives a whole whopping new sense of freedom and ability to watch hours on end of this trash. So in university, um, I'm not going to remember the exact, like the, the order of things happening, I think, because that's another thing that's has done to my brain. I think it's mangled so much of my memory. Like it's that I can't put things in order. That, and that's scary, okay? If that's if that's not enough to make you stop, like looking at this stuff, um, then that's not good. But um, I remember having Covenant Eyes on my computer. I think I've had it since 
since university. Um, but I would always try to get around Covenant Eyes in some manner. And so if, for those who don't know, Covenant Eyes is a uh, like an accountability uh, software and filtering program. Um, it's really good. Uh, but it would just make the fight harder because it's just another... It's just another thing telling you not to do something. So when you see that, it's just another challenge. You see it as a challenge and you're like, oh, okay, I'll try to get around that. Uh, and then that really manifested in in ways that really showed how deep this struggle was. Um, so I remember since I couldn't watch anything on my laptop, I would go to uh, the campus uh, library, like the computers at the library. And I would try to get off to stuff by searching up uh, things on the library computer, which is highly risky if anybody living in, in like, shame and, and isolation knows because you could get caught by anybody in public. And I think at one point, I also remember I had a USB and it got to the point where I would bring a USB to the computer and try to download or torrent stuff off the library computers onto the USB with the intention of bringing it home and watching it on my laptop. Because Covenant Eyes um, filters internet, right? But if you get your porn not through internet, but through some, like if it's just on a USB stick, then I could plug it in, plug it away and and watch all to my heart's content. But the tricky thing would be torrenting uh, and looking stuff up on, on the uh, uh, library computers. I don't actually remember if I, I brought the USB home and actually I got, it got to the point I actually downloaded stuff onto the USB, but I don't remember if I actually brought it home to use and download it onto my laptop. Um, but I clearly remember one time leaving the library late at night. It was night and it, and I was just battling so hard with it because I had downloaded stuff onto the stick and I was getting ready to go and I was leaving the campus and I was fighting so hard with it. And I just, and I chucked the USB into the garbage before I left campus. So that particular night. I guess goodness won for a moment, um, but then I, I wasted my USB. Those things aren't cheap. Well, I guess they might be cheap now, but yeah, so I lost my USB, I lost the stuff I downloaded, but I guess that was a win that night. I would also go to the public library and try to borrow anything raunchy enough to uh, get me off, I guess, and borrow it in DVD format um, because I had the accountability software on my 
on my uh, own personal laptop, right? So I had to find other means. Um, that didn't really work that well because like how much X-rated stuff are you going to find at the library? But it just shows you to what extent I was willing to go. Another instance, uh, I teethed a magazine from from a Loblaws, I think it was, or maybe a Metro. It was like an, it was like a Maxim or something. But I was, yeah. I, that's not something I'm proud of. It was just a magazine, but it does, that's not something I'm proud of. I ripped the, I ripped the barcode off of it because I think the, that's what sets the scanners off or the alarms off. Because that, that grocery store had a had like uh teeth alarms. I guess every grocery store has alarms. But I wasn't sure what exactly set them off, so I just ripped off the barcode off the front page and I brought that home. So I guess you could say my porn addiction got me into areas of criminality on a small scale. So university days were quite dark and quite lonely and quite isolating. Now I was part of a church while going to university, as were many of, uh, I was also part of a Christian uh, group on campus, um, which was great. Um, and a lot of friends in that organization also went to the same church. So first year was great because you're a freshman and you get lots of attention and everyone wants to, you know, um, build it, build relationships with you and, and get you into their small groups and everything and grow together. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, over time, I guess third and fourth year, I became more and more distant. Didn't really go to their meetings or groups. Um, I had resentment. I had resentment towards other Christians, even though they had done nothing to me. But I think that's part of what what pornography does. It it just makes you bitter and resent resent people around you. It's an isolating addiction, just like any addiction, I guess. When it, any addiction gets to a certain level, it just it isolates you. But I tried to think why I was resentful of people who were kind and loving and nice. And I think it was because they couldn't see what I was going through. And this isn't to blame them, but this is just to say what I what I reflected on. It's because they couldn't understand what I was going through. And or so I perceived. Um, and they didn't. Therefore, they couldn't have a chance to offer me any help or um, friendship. And that's nothing on them. That's on me because I didn't want to share with them, which is totally understandable. Um, but that resulted in resentment towards them. And I remember one Sunday after church, this stuck out clearly in my mind. I was just so freaking bitter 
I left church service. There's also a cemetery near our house, um, or near the house where where uh, me and my roommates lived. There's a cemetery. I walked through the cemetery. I was just really bitter against God and people. And just saying, you know, God, why don't you just take this away? Why don't you just take this away? You are God. You can speak creation into existence. You can give life and you can take it at will. Why can't you take out, take away this messed up desire? And of course, I didn't really get an answer that day. I went to the cemetery and I was just angry and pissed off. I was to the point that I went to a grave, not the grave, but those walls where they have the crematorium, like the cremated people. So they're not in the ground, but it's like a wall of flowers. Yeah, a wall of flowers with like people's names and stuff. And I freaking ripped out some random person's flowers and messed up their their crematorium wall. I desecrated a grave because of how angry I was, basically. I ripped up the flowers and then I walked home. Um, but I was just really pissed that day. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that Christians did not help me at all. Or were not there for me. Because a big part of it is because I didn't open up to people. And how the hell are people supposed to know what you're going through if you don't open up to them? I did have two or... I think I told my struggle to two or three um, other guys at various points. Um, during university, those were... Those were the closest friendships I had. And they were also from the Christian group, the organization. Um, and they did their best to walk with me. And they were a listening ear. Um, but what I've learned is that no matter how much, you know, how many accountability partners you have, um, how much you share with another brother, um, that's ultimately not going to change my heart. I mean, like, accountability and sharing, I think, is necessary. Um, and they're tools, but, like, relying on them on their own doesn't really change you. Um, and doing them sporadically doesn't really change you, doesn't really help either. Because I'm not really in contact with them anymore. After uni. University. Like what I'm learning is that. Dealing with. This addiction is. It's not a one time fix. It's a. Like I went to that. Uh, what is it called? Celebrate recovery. I went to one of their meetings once. Or maybe twice. In the area near, near our house. But it's not enough to just go once or twice. It has to be like a daily thing and of course that didn't become a daily thing for me I'm not sure why um, maybe because I didn't f 
feel connected enough with that group. Um, but yeah, like, like battling this is really a daily thing. It's like a step-by-step -step thing. As cliche as that sounds. So, okay, after university, uh, came back home, worked for a year or two, got a diploma from a community college, because what I got at university didn't really land me a job anywhere. Um, worked for a bit with that diploma, and then went to, uh, went back to school for two years. Uh, for nursing school and all throughout those years you know battling battling with the struggle never really was able to to go fap free or porn free for more than a month I'd say uh, and so finished that and now I'm working it's crazy how those years add up, though. And there's still a part of me in the back of my brain that thinks, oh, you're not really, like, struggling with this. But it's been probably at least eight years. It's probably been at least over a, almost a decade. Because I'm 28 now. But I think there's still a part of me that resists um, acknowledging that this is a problem. It's a very small part. It's a very small part, but it's still there. But it is. I've come to acknowledge it. Something I have to live with and deal with and wrestle with. Um, but I've come to the realization there is hope. There, There's always hope. Um, I'm not sure where it comes from. Uh, coming from a Christian background, I'm going to say, and I do believe, that this is from God. This is not something of myself. If it was up to me, I would be so faithless and hopeless, I would be in a ditch somewhere, metaphorically speaking, or but possibly realistically speaking. But just this hope that I can keep clinging on to, it's, it's, it's otherworldly, I think. Um, so, yeah. So I'm probably going to wrap it up now. Because uh, I'm in the car and the car has been off and uh, getting a bit cold. But uh, I guess that'll make episode one and we'll see how long this continues for. I hope I can persist in this. That's another thing I've learned. Like, this struggle has really taught me to persist in things. And I've never been one to really finish things I've started. Um, so here's another area. Another uh, form of dealing with that, this podcast. And hopefully encouraging, it'll encourage uh, people along the way. Um... So yeah, uh, don't know when I'll record again, but uh, if I do, I do. So if you're listening to this, 
and you feel messed up and struggling, keep the fight. Keep hoping. I assume you're breathing if you're listening to this. As long as you're breathing and you have breath, there is hope. Um, and And you can push on. You're here for a reason, okay? Don't give up. Ciao.